Hey guys, you're back with Brittany. I'm the owner of Brittany Elliott LLC and the creator of Back to You in Five. I help mothers reconnect with themselves through self-care. We are already in week five of our seven-week Mother's Day series. Um, I'm so excited about the realness that all of the women have been sharing about their motherhood journeys and their approach to self-care and how they handle their overwhelm and stress. This week we have another mother. We have Nikki Banner. She's here talking all about, you know, blended families and the importance of her village. So I hope you guys get a lot from Nikki today. Let's hop right into it. To learn more about the importance of self-care and how to incorporate it seamlessly into your life, register for my free workshop, Your Self-Care Journey, The Why, The What, and The How, at the link in the description. Today, we are here with Nikki Banner. Nikki is mom and stepmom. Between her and her husband, there are five kids. She works full-time in the family support and advocacy industry, and she's very involved with uh, her kids and their extracurriculars. With her hectic schedule, she makes time to practice self-care often. Um, Nikki is actually my husband's cousin, and it's interesting Like when you get into relationships because you really don't know how you're going to mesh with their family, but... I've been blessed to have a great relationship with everyone, especially Nikki. Um, I know she is in our corner. She's Bristol's godmother. I trust Nikki. I love her. I learn from her all the time. So I'm excited for her to be here to share her motherhood journey with us all. So Nikki, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. You're very welcome. Uh, And let's jump right into it. So... Tell us about your journey into motherhood. Journey into motherhood. Okay. So I will say that I wasn't the little girl that always thought of being a mother. Okay. To be honest, I am and always have been very sensitive. And so as a child, I thought were mean and cruel. And because of that, I remember thinking, I don't want kids. I don't, and even if I do have kids, I think I only have one, just like my mom. And so that's, that was my thinking as a child. Now I ended up, I was wrong. Okay. (laughs) I ended up, (laughs) I ended up having um, my son when I was pretty young. I was 20 years old. Okay. I was in a relationship with his father for probably about five years up until I had him. And then we were on and off after my son was born, and that relationship ended pretty shortly thereafter. So I was a single mother, um, but I was doing pretty well. I was working full time. I had my own apartment, my own car, um, and my family was a great supporter. They always helped me with my son whenever I needed. Um, then I met my husband when my son was about a year and a half. He was a single father. He had three children, two boys and a girl, and we moved in together pretty quickly and became a blended family. Um, At the time, our children were only 10 months old, one, two, and four. So I know that sounds like a lot, especially for 
such young parents in a new relationship, but somehow we made it work. And then six years later, we welcome our daughter and that made our family complete. So currently our children are 12, 18, 19, 21, and 23. That was a lot. <laughs> what? <laughs> In a short, um, you know, amount of time. And it was probably a lot, I'm thinking, for like the mental transition from not wanting children, then having one, and then you like have four in the house at one time. So uh, how, did, how did you work through processing all that? Oh, that was tough. I mean, honestly, it's, it's so funny because being young and um, I was young, but I was pretty mature to be young. I, it was a process though, because thinking that I was only going to have one child if I ever did have children and then here I am with this one child and then I'm immediately pushed into this world where I am a mother of four. It was it was difficult um, initially, but we blended so well together. The kids, um, they're great kids. Like they, they have always been great kids. They've always accepted me and loved me and I've always loved them. And I think that made that transition much easier. I didn't have to deal with, um, I guess, types of difficulties that blended families somehow have where maybe the dynamics of the family or that the kids aren't accepting of the the incoming spouse or you know I didn't have that and so that made it much much easier and and my I mean my husband wasn't my husband at the time he was my boyfriend but his family his entire family were always so open to me and loving to me so they they were a great help it was just me adjusting to having four children right away took a little bit of time but my family absolutely helped with that also was there any for you like at a time where um like you or I guess I'll ask it this way did you and um your now husband's children's mother have to go through like a transitional period or adjustment period not so much, um, probably because he was a single father. They, he had two, he had a mother to his daughter and then a mother to his two. And mm-hmm. um, so I was, there was two mothers that I, we were dealing with. And, um, and honestly, I guess because he was the dominant parent, I didn't have to deal with them as much. Um, but we did. I mean, they respected me. They they respected my relationship. I think his his he his two sons were ten ten months old and two years old when we got together. Um, their mother probably a little bit more of a difficult time dealing with it just because she had young children that she had to trust in the care of a, a you know um, a woman that she was just getting to know, and so obviously that took a little bit of adjustment period, but. Um, we we really we really adjusted well with that. We really didn't have any issues with that, to be honest. I love that because so often, and I don't know if it's because there's so much social media or if it's just like the stigma now or whatever. It's just almost like everybody has such um, a negative idea of what 
coming into a blended family is like or what co-parenting is like and it just always feels like there's always some type of drama mm-hmm. and I mm-hmm. think that that ma- makes moms especially even more anxious so like you become a single mother then you meet somebody and then maybe there's anxiety about well how is this going to work because this person has a kid and I don't want to have to deal with this drama from this other person mm-hmm. um and then we get anxious about drama that may not even happen because we're living mm-hmm. through mm-hmm. Um, like other people's experiences, if that mm-hmm. makes sense. Absolutely. Have, have you ever felt like, not just with when you your families were blending, but just as a mother, have you felt like tension and anxiety just based off of how other people are presenting motherhood versus like what your experience has been like yourself. Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I, in the field that I work in, I have a, I have just had firsthand experience seeing people when they are at the point where they need help with their parenthood, Um, professional help where I'm involved as a professional and uh, there's been plenty of times where I've seen motherhood in a way where um, almost as if I notice that they make things more difficult for themselves, like they anticipate a problem. And so when you anticipate things, sometimes you cause the reaction that you were anticipating without even being conscious of it. I see I see a lot of things where um, it's just a lot of unnecessary dramas and um, blending of families is tough for a lot of people. Um, a lot of times it has to do with just feelings of the parents, not necessarily ready to let go of relationships and, and things like that. And that matters the most. The most important thing has to be the children and doing it for their well-being just trying to provide some kind of um, normalcy and healthy environment for them and and seeing it as you're adding more love to their lives you know the, another another parent needs seen as just more love and more affection that your child is going to receive to looking at it in a negative way and I always try to talk to other women and mothers about that because it doesn't have to be something negative you know Um, blending families is a beautiful thing especially if the relationship between parents is is ended and there's no hard feelings you know and and people have moved on let's see that as just bringing more light in that kid's life you know yeah that's a really good way of thinking about it and it it truly is adding more love and when the drama is there I think especially when the kids are older like they can see that and then they're it's there's like this barrier to entry and then they can't even receive all the love because they're like well I like like in your case they're like well I like her but what if you know my mom doesn't like her and Mm -hmm. then can I like her if my mom doesn't like her and um so, yeah, I think that um, even though I'm not in that situation, like I'm not in a blended family co-parenting type of thing. Um, but, I mean, my parents split up and I have a lot of cousins that are in that situation. And I have seen times where 
it's like you're mad at each other because of the relationship. You haven't healed from the fact that you still want to be with them or right. you're mad about why you guys broke up and <laughs> all mm-hmm. different types of drama that can come into it. But yes, you're right. Just make it about the kids and hopefully um, things progress naturally from there. Um, and since you kind of transition to talking about you know, work and, you know, working with women and moms on that level. Um, So Nikki works in family support um, and advocacy. So tell us a little bit about that industry and how being a mother has helped you like on that career path. Mm, Okay. So being a mother has tremendously on that career path and, and as a person in general, obviously, but I believe that, um, I believe that having children, particularly, I have a child with special needs. um, And so having a child with special needs and just having children in general has made me more patient. It's made me more empathetic and compassionate towards others. And when you work in a community, you have to have a focus on the good in people, you know, focus on their strengths and their also have to have like concern and care for the community you know supporting the community is something I'm passionate about my children and the children all around the world are the future and so I kind of hope that I can help them to see the value in themselves and in their families and their futures and and I laugh about it often and so do my coworkers. but I have a motto and my motto is I'm servicing the community one family at a time and I say that because I mean it you know it's you know it's kind of our little inside joke but I mean it you know um we have to you know when you're in a field like that you have to care about what you do it can't just be about money you have to care about people and being a mother I think definitely my my special needs as I was saying and so um I truly believe that having him changed me as a person made me less selfish and and more about others and just being more understanding of people's differences you know so that kind of shaped me to being who I am today as a family development specialist yeah and you there is so much like perspective um and passion that comes into your work like even from what I've experienced and what I've seen you do and I think that's so interesting because there are a lot of women who become mothers and then they feel like um maybe lost in their career path so to speak because maybe it's not what they planned or just it's just an adjustment like motherhood Mm -hmm. is an adjustment it kind of takes a while for you to get back to yourself almost Mm -hmm. and sometimes the self that you get back to is is a lot different it's evolved and so the things that you used to be passionate about they may not be important to you anymore Mm -hmm. but then you might be really good at something else because motherhood comes with all those skills like you said like empathy and having patience and just meeting people where they are and I'm not in no way for our listeners I'm not saying like once you become a mom like go into family support or advocacy I don't do that I stayed in like the education sector but the type of work that I do and have done since I've had Bristol it just has changed completely because I'm just I just can't 
I'm not as efficient as other things as I was before. I'm better at new things now. Um, so I guess my only message to listeners would be to kind of lean into that. Like, don't be scared of yourself kind of as you evolve, because as you evolve in motherhood, you're just evolving as a woman. You're just evolving in your personality. Mm-hmm. And that evolution is is good. It's not always just I'm losing myself. It's just you're learning new things about yourself. And I think that's really nice um you mentioned (laughs) with everything that happened you your idea wasn't that you were going to become a mother boom you become a mother your first child and then it happens to be a special needs situation um and then you talk about like how you've had a lot of family support you know with everything and, and with all of your children collectively um Tell us about like what your approach was like when you found out that your child had special needs, like what kind of did you like go to the get community assistance? Like what was that that process for you? So I kind of <clears throat> excuse me, I hit the ground running when I found out that my so my husband and I went to the appointment. We husband and I went to um, an appointment at the child development center. We had um, at the child development unit at Children's Hospital. We had an idea. There was something um, with my son that was going on, just didn't know exactly what it was. He was talking, just not talking as much as he should have been. And um, and we decided to make an appointment. We took him in and they they diagnosed him with autism. Um, So we did have a moment, him and I cried in the room and, you know, kind of had this, what's gonna happen? cry and how are we going to deal with this and then right after that I definitely hit the ground running with that I was like attending um, autism conferences Uh, I I remember flying to California for one I would read everything that I could I had all types of books about it I put him on a special diet a gluten and casein-free diet because I I read that that was helpful for kids with autism and so I kind of really hit the ground running with that um my son ultimately ended up getting a dual diagnosis not until years later not until he was actually in high school but he now has a diagnosis of intellectual disability also and so that's kind of um what they now they used to call it mental retardation but now they call it intellectual disability and so that's what we're uh, dealing with now where he gets um help with life skills and so on and so forth. Um, He will most likely always live with us. Uh, His mental capacity is pretty much um, on the level of a five-year-old, but he is probably the sweetest person that anyone could ever know. He's loving and gentle and just an all-around sweetheart. But um, that's that's our experience with... uh, with him and his diagnosis, but it was, it was at first, again, I was very young when I had him, but we, you know, I didn't let, I mean, I tried to figure out every way that we could help him, and my husband was right there 100% of the way. Sounded like it was, it was really like, you know, support, like you had someone to go through that with, you got to get Mm -hmm. your emotions out through that. And then you had all the support that you needed and you were able to seek additional help and other resources and try um, new things. And 
as all of the listeners know, like I, I help mothers reconnect with themselves through self-care. Um, and a lot of times I'm just talking about our relationships with ourselves, but the relationships we have with other people are so important. And if you are in a situation where you don't feel supported, um, I totally recommend finding ways to get the support that you need. Um, and so I'm not like over here, like ditch your friends or, you know, get out of your relationship or anything. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying, think through what's going on. It might just need to be a conversation um, and you setting boundaries or telling people what you need um, to set the tone so that you can get through things like this because all of us as mothers are going <laughs> to come into contact with situations that may be unsettling for us. And we may be like, oh my gosh, now we have to pivot. What are we going to do? And if you don't have people in your corner, people are going to be like, I'm here for you. I'm feeling this with you and I'm with you on this journey. Then like how successful can we be? Not just as mothers, but like as people <laughs> um, overall. So that's just my spiel about about that um and yeah your son he he, I mean he's the greatest and um I mean it's five years I've I've known him now five years and even like Bristol sees him and they both light up when they see each other Mm. so um it's just crazy but I mean I get how it can be so so like scary at times but I think that you and your husband are both doing an amazing job and I think that your village of support is super solid um what advice would you say you have for mothers who are getting the news that their children may have you know special needs definitely don't think that they should shy away from the diagnosis I noticed that um definitely in the black community it's a little little hard to take those diagnoses um you don't want the labels and things, but it's necessary to have a diagnosis in order to get the proper assistance and have the resources, you know, that apply to whatever your child needs, you know. And so whatever help that you need and in, in as far as resources and things, they have tons of things. Go to your children's hospital. That's a big one. That's the first thing we did. Um, children's hospitals had the child development unit, and that's what we did. You can go to them and they and, and let them know that you have some concerns and things, and don't be afraid of the diagnosis. Like I said, don't be afraid of the labeling, and follow through with the treatments. And and they won't they won't all work. I mean, there's things that work for one child that will not work for another. So don't be discouraged by the fact that you may have to try multiple things to see what works for your individual child and your individual uh, family's needs, you know, um, but don't be afraid of that and, and reach out for assistance. Lean on your, your, re- your natural resources first, the people that are around you that love you, that love your child, but there's people out there that are professionals that can help and seek them, you know, like research whatever it is that you think is going on with your child try to get a better understanding because we know our children more than anyone you know we are the expert of our children of our families and so we're we have to be their advocate first 
don't be afraid of, you know, doing that. And if you need to get an advocate, they have those out there as well. But you definitely need to be open to all kinds of solutions and resources, you know, to help your child out. Yeah. So be open-minded. Um, and I love that you said lean on natural resources mm -hmm. first, like go in house, you know, see yeah. who you have around you that you already have a relationship with that you already have trust with. Mm -hmm. Those may be the people that may not give that professional help, but they may be the support that you need in going and seeking out the professional help. Um, that's a really good point. Thank you for sharing that. Um, so I'm going to move on to like um, emotions because that was like an emotional role yes. in itself. Um, but common emotions, especially when we first become um, mothers are like overwhelm and irritability, frustration, resentment toward our spouses or significant others or like their perceived freedom. There's exhaustion, of course. And um, your kids are a bit older, um, but um, I'd imagine some of that, you know, still comes about. So what has been your experience with those emotions and how have you overcome them? Mm. So I've had I've had feelings of irritability, frustration, exhaustion, being overwhelmed as a mother, for sure. And to be honest, like, I'm not sure that you ever truly overcome those emotions because um, there's there's different stages of motherhood you know four of our five children are adults now and I still experience those emotions maybe not as often but they are present from time to time and I'm learning to let go of the things that I can't control and that is definitely a work in progress <laughs> but um, <laughs> I will say that my husband my husband has always been a great father and great support to me as a mother so that's definitely helped with when I was experiencing any of those emotions so I can't say that I've had to deal with resentment for him not kind of playing his part because he's always I mean he was a sing single father when I met him so he being a father is a huge role you know in his life and so um yeah I've, I've dealt with those emotions but again I've had support with them so I, I guess that might be a common denominator in, in, in my life is like support you know yeah, and I feel like the theme of our talk today is like just having a strong village because I feel like everything that you've gone through, you know, since becoming a mother and becoming a mother at a young age, like everything you've talked about goes back to someone being in your corner, having yeah. someone who could support you, family being there that you can call on, like when you need a break, them understanding what you need and them being there for you being there for your husband and being there for your kids so I I do feel for um women and mothers who don't have anyone mm -hmm. um or like especially don't have anyone in their family and I always try to encourage them like we can pick our family too because sometimes the people that are related to us by blood are, are not our biggest mm -hmm. support. That's just mm -hmm. a fact sometimes. Um, but, you know, if you have close friends who you can trust in, who are supporting you and who are lifting you up, you know, lean into them too and be open to that because it takes more than the parents 
in in the parenthood journey because we can't do everything and be everything for ourselves and for our children it's just people can't do that like we kind of need that group effect um and i like that you mentioned like motherhood um does have different stages because for me as the listeners know bristol's four now and i'm like man when she was younger, like an infant, I remember her like taking naps and me like sitting there staring and making sure that she was breathing. And I thought that was hard. And now that she's four, I'm like, oh my goodness. <laughs> the infant <laughs> stage was nothing. Cause now that she's four, she just <laughs> wants to do all these activities. She has her own personality. She can talk. She can just tell me she doesn't want to do something. It's like, you know, now I'm interacting with like a full fledged human at this mm-hmm. point who has her mm-hmm. own thoughts and <laughs> goals and she gets frustrated with things um it's just crazy it's yeah. it's crazy so I guess you're right we'll never really overcome them but I guess our goal is to somehow you know make them more manageable and yeah. um you talked about mottos earlier the motto of back to you in five is self-care is more about the decisions we make than the activities we do so what's your approach to self-care and how do you fit it into your routine so self-care is something that I've been actively working to be a regular part of my life just recently um, simply because I've gone years without truly caring for myself and and not really understanding what self-care was and how important it is I used to believe that self-care was like nothing more than getting your hair and nails done or just getting a massage and so now for me, it can be as simple as taking an extra five minutes in the shower. I try to um, meditate for 10 minutes a day because that's something that's been extremely beneficial to me and my mood. Um, sometimes I'll just sit in a dark room in complete silence. I do uh, stretching exercises and I even use TikTok as a way to care for myself. <laughs> like, like watching funny videos, it makes me happy, you know, and that's something that that I enjoy. And so I feel like um, something I probably need to work on is just being as consistent as possible with it, because I'm not always consistent with it. I, I will definitely allow uh, work or, or, you know, my daughter is very active in sports. So, you know, it's, I, I have to keep up with that a lot. And so I'll sometimes allow those things to stop me from from meditating for my 10 minutes in that day. And 10 minutes is a small amount of time, you know, five minutes in a shower, because that's what I I enjoy a really, really hot shower. So that extra five minutes, that's not much, but there's times when when I'll even rush that. So I just wanna be as consistent as possible with my little bit of time of like taking care of myself. But I'm, I'm really, really been, I've really been working towards it. I love that because it's so honest. (laughs) (laughs) Self-care is my jam. But like, that doesn't mean that I'm just hitting my self-care goals, like, you know, all the time. And Mm -hmm. I'm just, you know, floating in the ecstasy of the results of my self-care. Like I, you know, we have lives as well and other things that are going on. And it's easy to fall back in the habit of being like, okay, well, I'll get to that, you know, later. And yeah. I will say that the times that I have done that, because I mean, my self-care journey, I guess I'm approaching like about two years of like consistently making it a part of my routine. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And when I don't do it, I feel it. Like I can feel like if it's like midweek and I haven't done anything, like I don't know if like somebody will trigger me or I'll notice like I'm just more irritable like than usual or something like just just something in the air is not feeling right. And I'll Mm -hmm. have to say, hmm, like, have you checked in on yourself today? Have you spent any time with yourself this week? And then I'm like in my planner, like scheduling, like at this time on Saturday at 8 (laughs) a.m., you're going to get up and you're going to do this. And um, I just sometimes have to take it that seriously because I'm the one who suffers when I don't do it. Yeah. Um, like no one else really notices if yeah. you know we don't do our self care because we are just going to show up and present ourselves to the world as if you know we we got mm-hmm. this because mm-hmm. that's like our mechanism. But then I'm the one at night that's like, oh, <laughs> why did I do that to myself? So yeah, the consistency is a struggle, and you know, for our listeners, we get it. You just have to like create. Um, I like to say, create your own measure of consistency. So if consistency for you is doing something once a week, then, you know, commit to that. For some people, consistency might be doing something once a day. Mm -hmm. For other people, consistency is just like once a month. Whatever that is for you, like find that sweet spot and just do your best to keep up with that. And then if you don't, I think the biggest thing is like, don't be so hard on yourself because mm-hmm. then self-care like isn't a joyous thing. Now it's become a chore and we have enough of those. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so we definitely don't want to do that. Um, you said something else that I wanted to go back to and I don't know. I like missed it. I think it'll, I think it'll come back to me. It's oh, I think TikTok. when you talked about like making you, making you happy, like just TikTok. Yeah. Um, and self-care for a lot of people is, is like, oh, well, it is getting your hair and nails done. It is getting a massage. Like, it's really not. It's just reconnecting with yourself and giving yourself some joy. So if that is TikTok, like some silly videos on TikTok, like do that. Try not, like, don't go down the rabbit hole. And then two hours later, you're like, oh, (laughs) I forgot to put dinner on because now (laughs) now it's going to be stressful. But yeah I mean, yeah there's gotta be some boundaries but yeah yeah yeah. gotta have some boundaries but like whatever you like to do I say you know do that for Mm -hmm. sure Mm -hmm. um do you think that because so when you became a mother and when you were 20 like were people even really talking about like self-care like do you feel like you no your like pursuit of self-care is now like because you've experienced more, you know more, you're older, you're wiser. Like, why do you think your approach is a little bit different now? That's exactly what it is. So definitely during those times, no one was was at least talking about self-care, especially not in my circle of people because we were, uh, you know, the adults were barely, you know, just trying to get by, you know, living paycheck to paycheck and everything. So sometimes, again, remember, I thought that it was about, getting your hair and nails and think I thought it was something about spending money. And so mm. we really couldn't afford <laughs> to do a lot of those extra things then. But, um, but no, that is something that I've just grown and matured and just realized how important it is to take care of ourselves. It's just like when you're getting on an airplane, they tell you to put your oxygen mask on first. Like you have to take care of yourself if you're going to take care of others. And, I learned that throughout these years because, again, I've been taking care of a family of seven, you know, for many years. And so 
I learned that I can't fully show up and and really be as as effective as I would like to be if I'm not taking care of myself. And so it just took it took time and you know and and mistakes, you know, to to kind of learn that it, that's something that has to be a priority. It has to be. You know, our bodies we only get one. So we have to have some kind of discipline to be able to to put ourselves first at times and take care of ourselves. And yeah. we have to teach that to our children because um, we know better now. You know, we have to remember that there was times when we didn't know any better and we would eat whatever we want and do whatever we want and just make all these crazy decisions, but we learned. And so we, we can kind of stop our children from, from making some of the unnecessary decisions that we made by teaching them young, hey, take care of yourself, take time for yourself, you know, take this moment and live in this moment because... You know, life is life is hectic these days. You know, we're we're going through a lot. So self care is, is necessary not just for women, but for men as well, you know. Oh, absolutely. I think self care yeah. is for every person and yeah, self care is like the this like new like new like spot. phenomenon. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like this new worldly approach to things, but it is so important and like you said, like when as you grow, like you just know, <laughs> you, you just yeah. know better. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so if you're like one of our listeners and you didn't think self-care would work for you, or you didn't grow up in a self-care culture, and maybe you're just learning these new things today, I just say, you know, start now and start small and go back mm-hmm. to some other seasons of my podcast just to like get the basics. And even if you just grab one thing that you like to do, maybe it's just taking a walk. You know, I used to just walk down to my stop sign at the end of the street and back. And that was like, you know, (laughs) great. You know, it was just Mm -hmm. like just a little stroll. um, And then it'll just kind of build from there. So we're encouraging you all on this journey. Um, So Nikki, you talked about like some the challenges that you had, like um, with motherhood which basically like just from transitioning into like having a child with special needs, transitioning into having one kid and then several kids in the household. Mm-hmm. Um, what other like significant challenges would you say you've had like as a mother? Mm-hmm. Probably for me, my biggest challenge has been dealing with emotions, like not just my children's emotions, but mine as well (laughs) um as I said earlier I am a very sensitive person uh can cry probably at the drop of a dime and being a mother doesn't change that Uh, I've also dealt with like what I call mom guilt like I would feel guilty about having to work and and leave my babies or feeling like I should be able to do more or afford more you know um and, and that was probably probably my biggest challenges and, and, and can still be can still be at times you know I, I'm, I can be guilty of, of those emotions at times when you're feeling them like in real time what usually brings you through them to the other side I, I'm trying to practice being grateful more um because when I really think about it I'm guilty I I, I may feel guilty in those moments or I feel like I need to be doing more everybody has everything that they need you know myself 
my husband, my children, um, they have most of the things that they want and everything that they need. So I try to kind of go through these like grateful moments or where I'm remind myself to be thankful and grateful for what we do have and and not focusing on not focusing so much on what we don't and um and what I could be doing differently because we're I'm doing the best that I can in every moment you know so that's kind of <laughs> kind of what helps me get through that was like beautiful I got a little bit, I got a little bit emotional because that is so <laughs> it's like it's it really is like that simple and I think when you're outside of the big emotion you can see like the simplicity of that but when you're going through it it just you just feel like like I'm I'm not doing this right I'm not doing this enough but yeah I feel like our kids they don't those pressures that we have on ourselves in those moments like our kids aren't feeling that they don't even see it no not at all it's just it's it's us you know so yeah, like have grace for yourselves. Yeah. Um, I love that. Now I'm going to be practicing like being like having more grace and just being grateful what I have. And, you know, so many of us are just, you know, fortunate to just be here and yeah. alive and just doing our best every day. So I love that. And um, other big feelings uh, that a lot of us has, have had as mothers, I feel is that feeling of being reduced to like, I'm just a mother, mm. even though we are all obviously so much more than that. So how do you maintain your position that you are not just a mother? Like you're more than that. So I feel like we, you know, everyone, like with every role or position we maintain, we need to take intentional breaks from each of those roles. So I guess it kind of goes back to the self-care thing. I try to make time for myself as much as possible without feeling guilty. Um, I like literally scheduling alone time to do absolutely nothing or something I enjoy. Um, I feel like it's important to spend time connecting with my husband as well without the children Um, because most of our relationship was us raising children like that was our number one focus our number our top priority and and it's like imperative that we don't just see each other as parents or or ourselves as just parents like I don't want to only be defined as a mother I want to be a great mother but I don't want that to be the only thing that defines me so even with the role of mother sometimes we just have to take intentional breaks and 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 connect with other adults too you know um and you you had said something about um like kind of building your own village and one thing that I had done was like with women in a Facebook group that we were in this Facebook group together it's a group about like reality shows or something and um and we had been in this group together for years and commenting and laughing together and one day we decided like hey you know we to enjoy each other online maybe we should hook up outside of social media and we did we went to one of the um the painting sips and we had an awesome time and like literally I've built relationships where years later I'm still friends with these ladies based on that and and so I think like just connecting with other adults and other people and just not limiting yourself to just being a mom like those things are important because we're, we, we play many roles, you know, we need to be able to disconnect from each of those and 
take time for ourselves. Yeah, and put yourself out there to, like, <laughs> you know, have friends. Because to your point, yeah. there's so many roles that we get in life. And for some reason, I don't know if it's, like, society's pressures, how we're brought up. Like, there could be so many reasons for this. But we get to motherhood, and it's, like, we, in our mindset, get stuck. But yeah. we've lived our lives with so many different roles before we became a mother so we've been evolving and then something about our head like we become mothers and we're just like man that's that's this is my box yeah, yeah mother is my box but like motherhood is not a box it's, it's just not a box and yeah. our kids need to see that we're not in a box you know mm-hmm. that we're all these other things that we we are life and I know the pandemic was very very challenging you know for a a lot of people so now might be the time where some you know parents are just now able to get around adults again and and I was lucky enough because you know Nikki is family we live very close to each other so we've been able to like maintain that adult time like I I would go over to their house me and my husband we would take Bristol over you know the kids would play we would be able to have adult time if it's only one couple that you have that you can hang out with, like hang out with them (laughs) as often as, you know, time allows. Cause we, you know, we don't just talk about like, you know, sometimes we are having like serious conversations about our plans for the future. The other Mm -hmm. times we're just kicking back watching a movie. Like there's levels to life. It doesn't always have to be serious. It doesn't Mm -hmm. always have to be fun. It's just all about, you know, having a balance. Um, So I think that was, a really really good point um and then the final question to wrap things up will be what has being a mother taught you about yourself Ooh, that's a loaded question <laughs> uh, so let me see being a mother uh, being a mother has taught me yes i'm strong um, I'm more loving than I could have ever imagined. <laughs> um, it's taught me that I'm an advocate, that I'll do anything and everything for my babies. Um, and I've really become a better person. Like I, I, Because I have people that depend on me, need me to be a good example. They're watching me. You know, they, I, I can't treat people bad if my children, if, if that's not like the image that I want to portray to my children. So I don't want them to be bad people. I lead by example, you know, um, it's taught, being a mother has taught me that not being perfect is okay, and that goes for both me and my children, um, not to compare myself to anybody, any other mothers, any other business women or anything, just in my own lane, and that's okay. Um, being a mother has been a roller coaster of emotions and feelings and challenges and triumphs <laughs> but I love it I wouldn't trade it for anything it, it's been a great experience I, I honestly have been blessed with awesome kids you know I don't just say that because they're my kids they're they're awesome human beings I feel like they're gonna like make a positive difference in this world and I am happy that I am their mother so it's taught me a lot <laughs> oh I love that so many gems on this like interview like I loved having you here um as our guest I hope our listeners 
just took note, like, go back and listen to this again. I was taking notes as things were going through. Like, I have taking intentional breaks, making sure you connect with your husband, especially, like, when, like, my situation is similar. Most of me and my husband's life has been around our daughter because, you know, we got pregnant pretty quickly. And for a lot of people, their entire relationship has been kids involved in it and we we kind of don't see it like that at the time we're like oh yeah well we're just going through it but like look at the year of your kids how old they are and then see how old your relationship is and then if it's about the same you probably need to be like hey hey you over there we need to like be connecting (laughs) because I mean our kids aren't always going to be kids our kids aren't going to always be in the house and if there's no other connection besides the kids that's when that like emptiness situation starts to happen so like take control of that now be conscious about that now be intentional with that now um find your support system anchor yourself in your village um and you know lean on people and have grace so thank you nikki for coming by thank you to all of the listeners i appreciate you being here today um and i'll talk to you all very very soon Thank you for having me. Take care, you guys. To learn more about Back to You in 5, visit backtoyouin5.com or follow at Back to You in 5 on Instagram, where you'll find self-care tips and strategies. Remember, motherhood is a journey, not a destination.